What's up, guys? My name is Enes. My name is Muhammad. And this is Hoop Talk. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to episode five of Hoop Talk. This is a very, very special episode because we have our first guest in Hoop Talk history, David Rutledge. Um, he was originally from Australia and has been a coach and athletic director in London, Arizona, and Irvine. He currently teaches PE at New Horizon Irvine, um, which is a school that I went to in seventh and eighth grade. Uh, he was my coach for those two years. Um, great coach. Uh, not a lot of basketball knowledge. No, I'm joking. <laughs> uh, he has he has a lot of uh, basketball knowledge. Um, the only thing bad about him is that he's a Pelicans fan. Um, so just, uh, sorry about that. Sorry, sorry to all our listeners. If you have to listen to him, um, talk about the Pelicans and, um, let's just get started, uh, with our first topic is the Blazers and the Grizzlies the playing game. Uh, David, uh, what do you think about that game? And do you think that the Grizzlies could have won that game or if they had a chance? Well, thanks for having me boys. I appreciate you letting me on here. I, I'm, I've been a Big fan. I've, I've listened to all your episodes so far. I think you guys are doing a, a great job. So I appreciate you you having me on here. I feel like a, I feel like I'm one with two celebrities, to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, look, obviously um, the Grizzlies were in sort of pole position to get that that eight spot for for a while, and I don't think anyone really thought that. Um, I thought I think people probably thought that the Grizzlies were going to play in that playing game, but as the as the eighth seed rather than the ninth seed. So it was a bit of a shock where they're, they're playing in the playing game, but they're, they're playing in the ninth seed. So, you know, instead of having having two shots to win, they only had the one. Um, and I think just the way Portland was on that massive run, I think it was just, they just with all the momentum they had, I think it was just too much. And Grizzlies, you know, they had a, they had a really good season. They're a very young team, obviously, um, you know, but in the end, I think just the, the bubble, whatever it was, whether it was the, the hiatus or just maybe some pressure or they obviously had some injuries with, with Jackson and things like that. But for whatever reason, they just, just didn't didn't come to the party in the bubble and the Blazers were the exact opposite. They really stepped it up and, you know, guys like Lillard and Carmelo Anthony and CJ McCollum really, really kind of, you know, stepped up big time in the bubble and, and it was just too much for the Grizzlies in the end. Yeah. Um, I think them not also having Jaron Jackson Jr., losing him a couple days before that, um, I think they would have had a better chance of winning that game against the Blazers if uh, or extending the series even uh, if they had him. But I, I still, like, I've heard a lot of people say that the Blazers um, deserved that eighth seed more, um, but I just don't agree with them because, first of all, the Grizzlies have been in the eighth seed the whole year, right? They've basically, I mean, I don't think they've ever dropped down to like 10 or 11. Um, they've, they've always been in the 8th or ninth seed. Um, I think that they deserve that more, but just like with the whole four-month, three-month break, um, that allowed Yusuf Nurkic and uh, Zach Collins to come back and everyone to be healthy on the Blazers. And then just Dame just, just took over, man. Like, the Grizzlies can't do anything about that. Uh, as David was saying... Like, the, the Grizzlies are a good team, um, but they're still a young team. They don't have really a lot of veterans um, with Jaw leading them. Jaw did good that game, but I just don't think that, that they could have won that game. Um, 
the Blazers were just too unstoppable right now. I think you could make a case that there was no way for, obviously, for this season to end in a fair way, really. I mean, every, there was always going to be – someone was always going to have an issue, whether it was, you know, we just keep the, the eight teams as they were and we go straight into the playoffs for whatever eight teams were before the hiatus or whether we did it this way or whether we did it – whatever way we did it, someone was going to someone was gonna be kind of disadvantaged. The thing with the Grizzlies is, yeah, they were an eighth seed for a lot of the season, but as a Pelicans fan, I'm, I was really watching their, their schedule and I was watching our schedule. And when and when the um, when the season stopped, you know, the Pelicans had the, the the easiest schedule leading into the playoffs of any team, and the Grizzlies had the hardest. So that was always kind of like something that we had in the back of our mind to think, okay, maybe the Pelicans have a shot if they can go on a bit of a run here at the end of the season. Obviously. That didn't happen, and the Pelicans were very disappointing in the bubble. But Portland had a really, really difficult schedule in the bubble. Really difficult. They played a lot of really tough teams, and they they came up big. You know, they 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 won close games. They came up clutch. They won in overtime. They won with you know last second shots. And although I can see from a Memphis perspective that it could be unfair, I, I do think that the Blazers really do deserve their deserve their place. Yeah, um, and especially because I said in I said in the last episode or like a couple of episodes back that the Pelicans should play Zion more um, in the bubble. Like I know that they don't want to risk injury or so, like stuff like that, but they they really screwed it up in the bubble. Like if if they played Zion more, yeah, I feel like they they would have had a better chance. It's a especially hard because one. they had an easy schedule. Yeah, yeah, it's a hard one because. Um... Obviously, yeah, you know, at the time you look, especially in that Utah game, yeah. when the first game in the bubble, when um, Pelicans were up all game and we played Zion, I think, less than 15 minutes. And, you know, there's a pretty strong case that if he would have played longer than that, Pelicans potentially could have won that game. And then who knows, you know, maybe things are different and the Pelicans go on a bit of a run. I don't know. But at the same time, you know, Zion's a rookie. He's been riddled with injuries this whole year. He's obviously wasn't in the best of shape. You know, he, he had little moments where he was dominant and he, he was good offensively, but he was very, very poor defensively. And he he was, you know, that game against Memphis, the, fir- the third game in the bubble that, that the Pelicans won, he, you could tell he was, I mean, he was, he was gassed. He, he, it was... It was not. It was not pretty at all. So yeah. I think it's a sort of fine line because you you're thinking obviously of this year, but also Pelicans are a young team and Zion obviously is a rookie, and you you are thinking long term. So and the Pelicans have been very conservative with Zion all year. So the fact that they were they were conservative with him again in the bubble is is really no no surprise. I don't think. Yeah, definitely. So what did you guys think about like the Suns going like eight or no? In the bubble, like which was completely unexpected from a team that barely even made it in, and then still not making it to the playing game. So I feel like the Suns did really well in the bubble. Um, they did everything they can to ensure that they at least had a chance to make it um, in the playoffs, or at least in the playing game. Um, they had a really good coach. He uh, won Coach of the Year, or not Coach of the Year, but Coach of the Bubble. Um, Devin Booker was just going off, and I think that this was a really good experience for the young, um, young uh, players on that team. 
because for one, it gave them experience in uh, something that no one has ever seen before in the bubble. Um, and they won all eight of those games. And actually some, a lot of players on the Suns stepped up, not, not only um, Devin Booker and, and DeAndre Ayton, but uh, there were also a lot of other players that helped them as well, such as uh, Ricky Rubio, and they also didn't have Aaron Baines. So doing all this uh, was really unexpected, and they should they should really be proud of themselves for making it even this far and going eight and zero, which is the best record of anyone in the bubble. Um, so they should really be proud of themselves for that. Yeah, I mean, they couldn't do they couldn't do much more, could they, to 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 get in? They won every single game. Yeah. You know, they had there was talk actually before when they were trying to decide which teams were coming into the bubble, there was a lot of talk as to whether or not Phoenix even deserved to be there, I remember. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> you know, obviously it was it, it was pretty tough for them. I mean, they won eight all eight of their games and they still didn't make it. They missed out by a game, but um like you said, NS, I think even though they didn't make the playoffs, um, you know, they, they, it was great experience for them. They're going to take that into next year. Um, Devin Booker, like, I mean, he was, he was a star before, but we, we could have potentially just seen him, his first steps to become that elite superstar level. So, um, yeah, I think that, that this whole bubble experience is really going to stand the Suns in good stead next year. How tough is the West going to be next year? Like seriously, oh man, yeah, with Golden State, hey, the Warriors. Back. Yeah, you got you got all eight back. teams that are in the playoffs this year that that have no signs to you know drop back. You have the young teams like the Pelicans and the Suns. The Spurs are always tough. The the Warriors, you know, the, you could even make an argument for the Kings. I mean, West is going to be so tough. Oh, yeah, and um, there's really like no team in the West that that doesn't have a chance of making the playoffs. Like, even the Timberwolves, I feel like they kind of do. I feel like with uh, D'Angelo Russell now, yeah. if they can maybe pick up one or two, like, players off in the offseason, then that's, like, that's another team that can make it into the playoffs, you know? Yeah. So, every, like, every team in the West can have a chance next year in the playoffs, uh, which is crazy. Um, so many teams, 15 teams are going to be fighting for eight, eight spots. Um, so it's going to be exciting next year. Yeah, it's unfair. That's one word for it. <laughs> we, should, we should take some spots from the east. Yeah. Yeah. No, like all everywhere from one, everything after one to five in the east. That's like. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. Which is like that. It's been like that for the last. Yeah. Five years. Ever since like LeBron went back to Cleveland, and then the bottom bottom part of the east just like dipped off. Yeah. Um, so for this next part, we're going to be going through each matchup in the playoffs and giving our predictions um, and what one team has to do to win that series. Um, so we'll start off with the West, the Lakers and the Trailblazers. Um, Muhammad, what, who do you, who's your prediction uh, to win this series? Um, my prediction is for the Lakers to win this series. I think it'll be five games. I think the Blazers will either win the second or the third game, or maybe even the fourth game if the Lakers get gassed. But I don't think this is going to be uh, that tough of a series for the, the Lakers to pull out. Uh, David, don't don't say the Blazers are going to win. Do not say <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll tell you what my heart's, my heart's going to say. I, I live here in California and I have a lot of Lakers fans that are friends and 
I would love nothing more than to see the Lakers lose in the first round, but unfortunately, I don't. I don't see that happening. I, I think there's a reason the Lakers are the number one. I mean, Portland's obviously had a great, you know, a great bubble, and they're on a bit of a run. But there's a big difference between winning winning games where maybe some of the other teams that you're playing against aren't necessarily putting all their horses in, and and beating the best team in the West in a seven game series. So. I think Portland will give them a bit of a scare and, and maybe steal a, a game or two from them. But no, I think the Lakers will will advance as well. Yeah, I, I also think that the Lakers will sweep the Blazers. 4-0. Blazers aren't winning That's one game. Ball. I'm calling it right now. The Blazers are not winning one game. Ooh, not but a single LeBron, game. LeBron is going playoff mode. Um, Blazers are not going to score over 100 points in <laughs> one of their games. In at least one of their games, they're not going to score more than 100 points. Well, we'll soon see. Keep that on file, Muhammad. Keep that yeah. Yeah. on file. It is, it is on file. I'm con- I'm going to be right. We'll make sure to come back to this episode as soon as, uh, as, soon as the series well. ends. <laughs> we will. Um, our next playoff matchup is probably the most interesting matchup in all the whole um in in the western conference it is the rockets versus the thunder um david what, what's your prediction for this series this is a tough one right here this is a tough one um and it's a bit of a bit of an interesting one as well because you have obviously westbrook playing his old team and you have chris paul playing well, his old team. westbrook isn't confirmed to play at least for the first two games with the oh, really? yeah. injury yeah oh wow well, that actually, that's well. I didn't know that. Um, yeah. Look, I think uh, the Thunder have had a, a really, really surprisingly good season. I mean, at the start of the year when they made that trade with the Clippers and got rid of Paul George, you know, I mean, the big consensus was accumulating draft picks and starting to rebuild for the future. And then they started playing, and Chris Paul, you know, wound the clock back a couple of years, and they were they were really, really good. Um, so they've had a really good year. Uh, I don't really rate Houston that highly. I think this small ball thing is is something that is. I don't know how how well it will go in the in the playoffs. Play, games tend to slow down a little bit in the playoffs, and and you know, offenses like that aren't aren't maybe as efficient as they would be in the regular season. I do think Houston will probably have a little bit too much firepower in the end with Harden and if Westbrook comes back, but. I think this game, this series could actually go to, to seven games. I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a bold prediction. I think that the Thunder can beat the Rockets in seven games. It could definitely because. happen. It's a four and five matchup. Yeah. they're usually the, the closest matchups, and especially if Westbrook misses a couple of games and Thunder can steal a couple of games early. Yeah, I mean, it could happen. Um, yeah, especially because, I mean, I think the key thing is because uh, Westbrook is not going to play for at least the first two games. Um, I think that the Thunder, if the Thunder wins at least one of those games, then they have a good chance of forcing it to game six or game seven. Um, but if Westbrook's back, if Westbrook is back, I don't think that the Thunder could win. Let me ask you guys a question. I just want to know, who would you take if you could choose only between Westbrook and Chris Paul? Just between the two? Just between the two. I mean... Easily. Westbrook. Easily. Easily? Chris like, Paul, uh, 
with the way he's played this season, would you be okay with taking Westbrook or Chris Paul? Like Westbrook over Chris Paul that easily? But like the thing about Westbrook is he's consistent. Consistent right? in a way where some nights he'll go six for 45 and other nights he'll go 11 for 25. Yeah, okay, maybe not, not consistent, but like <laughs> I would rather have an athletic guard than a non-athletic guard. But like think about what Chris Paul has done for like Billy Donovan's coaching this year. Like he's made the Thunder offense like workable after like three years of like Westbrook pick and rolls at the top of the key and then him going up for a layup. They've had they have like an actual offense now. They run actual plays and like it's been a like him and Danilo Gallinari running like running pick and pops like Chris Paul. I feel like just unlocks a lot more like on the offensive side of the basketball than than Westbrook does. But, but just for the Thunder team, right? You're you're saying that he fits well within the Thunder team, but like isn't isn't it wasn't his question like would who would you rather have on your team, Chris Paul or Russell Westbrook, right? Or but I feel that... like Chris Paul could do that on a lot more teams than Westbrook could. Like I feel like he could do a lot more for So more you're saying you're saying that Chris Paul can can fit in more teams and and help more teams uh rather than Westbrook. Yeah, 100%. Um, okay. I I I see what you mean. Um, uh, David, yeah. do you have any? Uh, what is your? I don't know. I'm just interested to get to get your thoughts. I'm sort of. I mean, they're very different players. Obviously, you know, Chris Paul is really your, your traditional type. You know, point guard. He makes you know can make other players better. And Westbrook is just your downhill, super athletic guard. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's tough. Chris, I certainly think this year Chris Paul's had a had a much uh, better season and the Thunder have been a better team because of Chris Paul. Um, but, I mean, it's so many things go into it. Chris Paul's maybe a little bit older. Maybe you start thinking about how long is he going to be able to contribute for this kind of at this kind of level. But if you're just going off this year, then yeah, I, th- I think Chris Paul's had a better season for sure. Hmm. Yeah. Um, for our next matchup, we've already seen one of their games uh, on Monday. The Denver Nuggets beat the Jazz in Game One. Um, what do you What do you think is going to happen for the rest of this matchup, uh, David? You know, I, I don't really have a strong opinion on on either of these two teams, to be honest with you. Um, they're sort of not teams that I've watched a lot this this year. Um, I think they're very similar in that they they're pretty well coached and they're they're you know they've got some some big guys that can you know do a lot defensively and they rebound the ball well. Um, I think Utah's really struggled in the in the bubble, um, and and for that reason is the only reason I'm I'm going with with Denver in this one, just because um, even though Denver hasn't really been setting the world alight in the bubble, but but Utah's really really struggled. So, um, and I think did I hear something about Mike Conley left the bubble for? Yeah, yeah, yeah he, he left the ball because of the birth of his son. Okay, yeah. So I, I I don't like I said I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other, but I, I tend to think Denver might might be too tough in this one yeah i i also um i think that i think that this is going to be a nuggets win for sure because two things one you have the nuggets have michael porter jr and bubble just doing insane in the bubble to be fair joe Engels did do a good job of containing him on monday um especially after the first quarter he was able to like shut down most of the spots he was trying to get to. So, and this is his first year, like in like an at like a very competitive setting. So I'm just wondering how well Michael Porter Jr. is going to play against a team like that. And Bobo didn't play on Monday either. 
Yeah, I don't know why. Why why didn't they play him? Mike Malone doesn't trust him to play, you know, like in anywhere besides a regular season game. I mean, like he he hasn't had much game experience, so and the Nuggets are very veteran oriented. So But but also Mike Porter Jr. hasn't really had any game experience before the bubble, right? But I think he showed more with like those those couple of thirty point games that he had. I think he showed that he can be like an offensive threat for the um for the Nuggets when like uh, when Will Barton is out and they don't have their full their full guard lineup. Yeah, I think especially because Mike Conley left and Michael Porter Jr. is on the rise. Um, that's really that's really good for the Nuggets. Um, I think that the Nuggets can win this game in probably six games. Um, all they need to do, all they need for their team, is for Michael Porter Jr. to do good, uh, score consistently twenty points a game. Um, and then you have Jokic and Jamal Murray. Um, they're just going to do well every game. We already know that. Um, but I think that if Michael Porter Jr. stays consistent, um, then the the Jazz don't really have an answer for him. I also think that Rudy Gobert's perimeter defense against Jokic is really lacking. Obviously, he's somebody that excels like anywhere inside, anywhere inside the perimeter. But when Jamal Murray and Jokic can run so many pick and rolls off the top, like that's just that's a problem for for Jokic for Gobert to contain, especially when Jokic has that three ball. That's a, yeah. that's a hard thing for the Jazz to cover all at once. Yeah, it's because if Jokic can shoot, then and um, Gobert realizes he can shoot, then he he if he if he guards him up, um, then there's no one in the paint to block any shots, and then that opens the floor way more for the Nuggets. Um, that, I think that's what Michael Malone is going to try to do. He's going to try to get Jokic uh, to shoot more threes, and then that would bring Gobert um, up to guard him closer. He doesn't even necessarily have to shoot more threes because on the Monday game, when they ran those high screens, then they just gave enough space for Jamal Murray to shoot or like he or have enough space for him to drive. So I think just the whole threat of Jokic being at the three point line is enough for Gobert to have to like to push out and try to contest him. Yeah. Um, our last matchup in the West is going to be the Clippers versus the Mavericks. Uh, the Clippers are the two seed and the Mavericks are the seven seed. Um, David, what do, what do you what are your predictions for this matchup? Um, and do you think that the Mavericks can pull off an upset? I think it's going to be a really tough matchup, to be honest. I think it's going to be a really good series. Um, I think that the Mavericks are, have a really good offense and <clears throat> they're quite unpredictable. Luka Doncic is just amazing. Um, I think that the Clippers will similar, I suppose, to the Lakers series, in my opinion. I think that the West is destined for a Clippers-Lakers finals, and I think that this series is, is similar to the Lakers series, where I think that the Clippers will just have too much. But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if I see, you know, Dallas steal steal a game or two, which I know probably upsets Ennis because he he I don't know if you know this, Muhammad, but Ennis actually is a closet Clippers fan he's got <laughs> he really are. I've, I've actually seen him with it on <clears throat> with my own two eyes so um, he claims he's a Lakers fan but I don't know <laughs> I think that the Mavericks can at least win two games because one Kristaps Porzingis um, there's no one to guard him really if you put Zubak on him or their power forward, who's Markeith Mor- or Marcus Morris on him, I don't think they can really do much against him because he could shoot threes and he can get into the paint really well. Um, so I think that Porzingis is going to be the the Mavericks make or break. 
um, especially because Kawhi and PG are both really elite perimeter defenders, and then both of them on Doncic is going to make it really hard for Doncic to score. Um, he's still going to score at least like 25, 20 points a game, but I don't think he's going to really go off in in this matchup. I think it's I think the player that's going to go off is going to be Porzingis. I think the Clippers will do a, a solid job of containing Doncic, obviously to hold him. I don't, I don't think he'll be very efficient, at least in this series with Kawhi and PG probably switching off of him at different times. Um, I think it really what Enna said really depends on how well Porzingis is going to play. This is gonna this, this is gonna be for his first playoff series, right? Um, yes. Yeah, because so. because yeah, be, yeah, he was on the he was on the Knicks. Um, I don't. I don't yeah. Know. <laughs> All right, guys, before we move on to our next topic, we have a couple words about our sponsor. After the break, we're going to be talking about the Eastern Conference playoff matchups and our predictions for each matchup. The first series in the East is going to be the Nets and the Raptors. The Raptors won the first game on Monday by 24 points. Um, I don't think the Nets have much going for them, at least right now. Um, most of their players are gone or injured and the Raptors have looked dangerous like the entire year so I'm guessing this will be a 4-0 sweep um yeah David what do you think about this yeah I couldn't couldn't agree more I definitely think that the Raptors will be way too good for the for the Nets yeah because the Nets are missing so many of their key players um in in the bubble but they did pick up Jamal Crawford. Is he gonna come? Do you know? Do you guys know if he's gonna come back anytime soon? Because I know he got injured in like the first five minutes of his first game. Um, um, I'm not exactly sure. I'll check up on it right now. You guys keep okay. talking. The Raptors about. have been one of the. I mean, I know the Suns went eight and zero, but the Raptors have been maybe the best team in the bubble. They've been unbelievable. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. We beat the um, teams in the bubble. Yeah. They beat the Lakers, uh, which is. The best team in the league. my throat. But but uh, on the, I think that the the Raptors are probably the most underrated team in the East because th- them and the Heat because like no one's really talking about them. People only talked about them after they beat the Lakers, and everyone's like, "Whoa, the Raptors are good." Um, I think that they could definitely make it to the conference finals. I don't know about beating the Bucks, but I, I definitely think that they can make it to the conference finals. Yeah, I, I agree. Every, I think everyone was sort of writing them off when they lost Kawhi um, and just sort of waiting for them to eventually fall off and have teams like Boston and Philadelphia and Milwaukee kind of, you know, pull away in the East, but it just never happened. I mean, they've just got a really good system. They've got a championship pedigree you know and they have a lot of players who know how to get it done when when the pressure's on so yeah i i absolutely could see toronto in the conference finals i think that series that potential series between boston and toronto in the second round could be could be one of the best series in the whole of the playoffs yeah Yeah. um speaking of boston they're playing the sixers in the first round um i think that this is going to be pretty easy for the celtics uh one because ben simmons is out indefinitely for the First whole playoff, for yeah, for the entire playoffs, um, and the Sixers this whole year haven't really looked at like the team that they should be. Um, I think it's a problem with their coaching staff, and also 
I don't think Embiid and Simmons can really fit well together. Um, they're they're in the sixth seed right now, which I think that they could have made it at least to the fourth seed, but but I just don't really have faith in them right now. It's gonna it's gonna be a first round exit for them. What do you think, uh, David? Yeah, I, I agree. I think them losing Ben Simmons is a obviously a big loss. But even even before that, I mean Boston Boston have been really good. Jason Tatum's been unbelievable. Um, I expect Jason Tatum to even go to another level in this in this playoffs. I think he'll really he'll really come out and and, and really do some damage. Um, yeah, I, I I think that it could even be a four four game sweep to be honest. The Celtics. Oh, you think it's going to be a sweep? Oh, I think it very well could be. I'm I'm, I'm making my bold NS Cuff prediction. <laughs> I'm, I'm saying, oh, saying the Celtics, are, the Celtics are going to sweep them. It's a bold prediction. Um, I I think that the Sixers can win at least one game because I think at least one game Embiid is just going to do amazing, like score forty points or some insane stat. I think just one game that'll happen. But not, they're not going to win more than one game, like for sure, one hundred percent. Yeah, I think the same thing. I think I think Embiid's going to have one really good game, and then he's just going to be gassed, like for the rest of the series, and he's not going to be able to do anything. Um, like the Celtics, um, they don't really need to guard him at the three point line unless he remembers how to make threes, like he did a couple of years ago. Um, they have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and Kemba Walker. Um, their whole team is. Um, they're they're pretty great. Uh, I think they'll like like David said. I'm I'm not super enthusiastic about watching this series. I'm just excited to what's going to happen if the Raptors and the Celtics both win next series. So guessing four game sweep. Yeah. Oh, same same prediction. Yeah, four game sweep. I think the okay. I think the Celtics will still beat him even if Embiid plays amazing. Okay. Yeah. Um. This this next matchup is probably. The most interesting matchup in the Eastern Conference um, is TJ Warren versus Jimmy Butler, the Pacers versus the Heat. I know Jimmy Butler said that his beef with uh, Warren was over, but I'm, I'm not sure about that, um, especially because they're playing each other in the first round. And I think that um, this is actually a tough one. I don't really, I don't really think... The Pacers can win if TJ Warren doesn't do well and if Jimmy Butler just pops off and also with Bam um, who's one of the finalists for most improved player of the year I think that if those two do well and then if CJ Warren isn't up to par with his performance in the bubble I really I really think that the Heat um, can can pull off this win in the series uh, what do you think David yeah, I, I agree. I think it'll be close. Um, and again, these are two teams that I haven't haven't watched a lot of. I haven't. I've watched more of the Western Conference, so Eastern Conference teams aren't aren't. I'm not as familiar with, and these two teams I haven't watched a lot of. But I tend to think that with Jimmy Butler, in particular, Jimmy Butler, um, big game player, um, really good both sides of the ball. Um, I think that that Miami will probably. And this this is another one that could go six or seven games. Um, but I, I think I think Miami will be too too good in the end. Yeah, uh, what do you think, Mohamed? I think this has given me like kind of weird memories of like when the Paul George Pacers and the and the LeBron Heat used to play each other. 
Um, I think it'll go about six or seven games. Um, I think Jimmy Butler, like David said, will show up big time. Um, obviously, the loss of um, Sabonis not being there, even though TJ Warren is made up for that scoring-wise, I think defensively they still need to kind of fill that hole. Um, Victor Oladipo has been kind of lethargic, at least for the bubble period due to like still rehabbing. So if he can score a lot of points, that'll be good for them. Um, yeah, six or seven games, uh, but I'm giving it to the Heat. I I think that um, TJ Warren's scoring right now makes up for the offensive side, like you said, Muhammad, of Sabonis' game. Like Sabonis gave them that offensive push, but I I don't think that his his play really impacts anyone defensively. Um, so I think that if Oladipo and Warren do good scoring wise, then the other players will, will make up for the defense, and then their scoring will also make up for the defense. Um, but but I still think the Heat can can this, can win this game in six or seven games, like all of you said. I think this series is going to be one of the most fun to watch, though. Like from from these two teams, like Spol- Spol- Eric Spolster's offense is always fun. Um, Indiana, they're a very fundamentalist team. A lot of just a lot of passing and open th- open threes. Um, I think it'll be. I don't think it'll be probably one of the th- this series and then the Thunder Rocket series. I'll be the two that I'll be watching the most at least. All right, um, our last matchup, probably the most boring matchup in all of NBA history. This this happened last year too, right? The no no, no the the Raptors beat the mat the Raptors beat the Magic last year. And then oh was- yeah and. It was it was the Pistons, yeah. Um, <laughs> why why do the Bucks always get the easiest matchups? Because they're the they're first. so high. They're in the East. Finish yeah. one in the East. You're you're playing. You're playing, <laughs> you're playing, you're you're playing you're the playing, league games. You're playing the the Orlando Magic. Like, just just let that sink in for a little. The Orlando Magic. All right, I'm gonna say something kind of bold. I don't really think they even need to play Giannis any minutes. Like, I think they only need Ooh. to play him, like, like, the first quarter, and then that's it. Like, it's better just to rest him up against, like, later series, uh, maybe against the Raptors or the Celtics. Um, I don't really think there's a point in playing him, at least right now, against the Orlando Magic. Um, last year, the Orlando Magic looked like a team that maybe could have done something, especially when they won that first game against the Raptors. Um, but this year, they kind of just fell into the the latter seeds of the east because you know if you if you win a couple games in the east and you're a bottom seed then you'll usually get to one of the one of the higher seeds oh yeah david what do you think about what muhammad said about Giannis? well yeah i mean i think it it could it could make some sense i think if they were to deal with the magic in four games which i think we're all in agreement that that's possibly the most likely scenario i think that it You'd have enough time for Giannis to rest in between the end of that series and the next one. And then I think you would, you know, you never want to get into a situation where you're kind of shifting things around too much. Um, Obviously, the teams have only played eight games before these playoffs. Normally, the teams have a whole regular season. This year, they've only had eight games leading into the playoffs. So I imagine that there'd be teams like some of the bigger teams, the Lakers, the Bucks, the Clippers where they would, they would probably want to have their players get into a rhythm, um, have start figuring out their rotations, figuring out their matchups. So I think maybe the, the need to rest players is maybe not as 
as as important yeah, as in previous yeah. years. But yeah, yeah, I, I could definitely see um, if they get in a situation where they've been blowouts that Giannis would be sitting for big portions of the second half for sure. Um, but isn't isn't that kind of disrespectful to the Magic though? Like, wouldn't they be like, "Whoa, they're sitting out their best player on us"? Didn't Giannis like not play like like the first like the la- the last two games of the Pistons series last year? I think Blake Griffin got like injured, and then they just like I think they just stopped playing him. They just they just gave know. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah um, but I still think that they should play him at least twenty five minutes. Obviously, Milwaukee wasn't a team that like excelled or anything during the bubble. They lost a couple games. That um, they lost to the Grizzlies too. So obviously, like what David said, it'd be important to get everybody into a rhythm. So yeah, especially because they need to prepare for that second round uh, because they play the winner of the Pacers in the Heat. Um, two very good teams. So even if the Pacers win or if the Heat win, they would the Bucks would still have an interesting matchup. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, like like what David said, they need they really need to get into a rhythm for that second round. On uh, the last note, I guess of the episode would be the Spurs not making it to the playoffs after 22 years of Greg Popovich, Tim Duncan phasing that out, moving into Kawhi phasing that out, and then on their last legs here with uh, DeRozan Aldridge. Um, that's been 22 years for the Spurs. They've been a great franchise, and it's, it's kind of like it's kind of weird to see them not in the playoffs after so many years. Yeah, it is weird because when you have probably the best coach in the league, probably best coach ever, um, it's crazy how he has like a mediocre team. Like, there's not one star that's really shined on his team. It's kind of like a bunch of role players, except Demar Derozan, who is kind of a role player right now. <laughs> I think it's crazy how they even made it that they, they were even fighting for that eight seed because the West is so packed right now. And the fact that they could even fit in to that, the fact that they could even possibly fit into the playoffs, is just crazy right now. Um, so I think it was, it was their time. Um, I think that Popovich is going to retire soon. What do you guys think? I mean, obviously he said something about retiring after, unfortunately his wife passed away and I think he only has two more years left on his Spurs contract. Um, so I'm guessing retirement is um, in the near future for him. Yeah. David, David. you're up. Yeah, I mean, it's an incredible um, statistic. I think it was 22 years that the Spurs were in the playoffs, which is, um, I think it was like the, a record for like American professional sports, not just NBA, yeah. but all the sports. It's incredible. And it's also really even more impressive in my eyes because san antonio is a small small market you know i mean they don't have the luxury of having superstars wanting to go to their city for the most part you know lebron james and kevin durant aren't aren't rushing to san antonio you know that they're you know that they're really having to build from the ground up and like you said muhammad they've had so many different phases they've had the ginobili and parker and duncan and you know, Kawhi and all these different phases, but the system remains the same and they continue to be successful. So they've they've, they've done a really, really good job and they certainly should be um, something to be really, really proud of. Um, I also don't think that there's, you know, just because they missed the playoffs this year doesn't mean that, you know, they're now in for not yeah. making the playoffs. You know, I think they're going to be tough moving forward. Like you said, they've got a great coach and for as long as he's there, I think they're always going to be thereabouts. Um, especially like this is a team that's like they've never had like an orthodox way 
of like picking up players or like find they've never signed a big free agent like they found like have you heard that story about how like greg popovich met like tim duncan at like a beach somewhere like before he was even like like before he was going to get drafted like yeah so like Tim Duncan was like he was before he was ever played basketball. He was like a swimmer. He'd only been playing basketball for like a year, and then Greg Popovich was like vacationing, and he saw like one kid playing on like this beat up court, and he got really interested. So then he talked to like the Spurs management, and then eventually he he kind of came up in the draft board, um, and then they they picked him at number one, and they like they slowly after the they tanked um, that one year when David Robinson got injured. And they picked up, they picked up him, and then they they moved on with Robinson and Duncan. And then after that, then they found Nobley and Parker. Like it's it's always been a very interesting way of doing things, like picking up international players for them. Yeah, they're very good, very good at getting a lot of value in their in their low draft picks for sure. Yeah, and even like Kawhi, he was the 14th draft pick, and nobody was expecting him to like to become who he was. And the Spurs like the Spurs taught him how to become a star. All right, guys, thank you so much for listening to episode five. Um, thank you so much, David, for coming on to our yeah, show. Thank you so much. Uh, right, thanks, for, thanks for having me. And like I said, I listen to you guys a lot, and I'll, 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 be, I'll be listening even more now. Thank you. Um, th- this is going to be written in the record books of Hoop Talk. Um, first guest speaker, David Rutledge. Yeah, um, episode so- five yeah again just thank you so much for coming on um if you guys enjoyed this episode please make sure to uh subscribe and follow on the platform that you're listening on and also if you guys enjoyed please uh make sure to write us a review in apple podcasts um just give us a five-star review if you guys enjoyed or even if you guys didn't uh you can give us a one-star review and uh we'll we'll fix whatever uh we did wrong um Get rid of that guy that you had on as a special guest. (laughs) (laughs) What are we doing with him on here? Stay tuned for our next episode. Uh, Episodes drop every Tuesday. And peace.